Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. We're live and local here Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. And always available around the country on the go with the free Odyssey app. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play here, and sports talk. It gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, run some errands, then pick up right where you left off. And you can always hear VCU basketball on the Odyssey app with tomorrow night. The Rams hosting Loyola Chicago. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.15. And then on the call, you'll hear Rodney Ashby, who joins us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Rodney? Oh, not much, man. That was some peppy uh, walkout music for a Monday. I like it. Way to get it, get everybody fired up. Absolutely. Three-game win streak. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway from the last three games for the Rams? Well, I'll tell you what, I talked about it in the post game the other night. I just feel like that after the GW game, we felt like we had some things we really had to clean up. And it was mostly on the defensive side. And typically that's not something you can flip a switch and fix. But I don't know how Coach Odom and his staff did it, but they flipped the switch and we went on the road for two straight games against George Mason and and um, LaSalle and absolutely put some defensive displays home on and then we brought it home the other night against St. Louis. Absolutely. I mean, I almost feel like we're developing a team identity as a tough defensive squad that can score when they want to. I mean, that's what it was in the first two A-10 games. We know we can score. We got into these shootouts, but they were losing efforts. Then all of a sudden, we clamped down on the defensive end. We could still score when we want to, and it's leading to dubs. Yeah, exactly right. And I tell you, the um, you know, we struggled a little bit scoring against George Mason. They're a tough defensive team. But, you know, LaSalle, we kind of kicked it into second gear, third gear a little bit more in the second half. And then, of course, the other night, we just really, really had a you know, impressive defensive, I mean, an offensive display against a very physical, tough, typically tough defensive-minded team in St. Louis. Absolutely. And in that game, Joe Bamisell was incredible. 29 points in just 22 minutes, 10 of 13 from the field. Uh, and I, I thought it was really telling. He said after the game in the postgame press conference that him and Coach Odom had a long conversation. And Coach Odom said, just keep shooting. Don't don't care if it goes in or out. And Joe was one of his last 10 shots before that game and then exploded for 29 points, Rodney. Yeah, you know, coaching these kids is not always um, about X and O's or fundamentals on the court. It's a lot about how they handle different situations mentally. And, you know, each coach has a different way of how they approach them. And, you know, one of the things about having, um, you know, the coaching staff that we have, they all have great relationships with these guys. And they and the guys respect them. And, you know, look, there's no question that that our staff owns the locker room and it's and that's a nice response by Joe Bamisell. You know, you get a little confidence in him. And, you know, we were talking to Jason Nelson, who had played on Team Loaded with him, with uh, Joe Bam. And we said, look, were you surprised that he came out and hit that? He goes, no, 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 no. I've seen that before. He goes, I knew when the first two went up, went in <laughs> that it was going to be his night. And, uh, you know, they just kept feeding the ball. And, you know, I tell you what, what an exciting thing for our fans to get to watch in, in front of the home crowd. The students were back and – the Peppers were on steroids. I mean, it was a it was a great environment at the Stu that night. Yeah, no, I, I said it to start the show. Uh, I think we've realized that these Gen Zers, these young college kids now, 
They love theme nights, and that decades theme uh, was it was really successful. The bucket hats were awesome. Thirty six points in the first half. The team explodes for forty nine in the second half. What'd you make of Jason Nelson's uh, first start in a Ram uniform, replacing the injured Zeb Jackson? You know, I think that's that's a good point that it wasn't a Rams uniform. You forget this guy started, I don't know, twenty plus games for University of, you know, the, the University across the way there, um, <laughs> and it and so he brought that experience to the stew, and he took advantage of the minutes that he got. You know, um, every staff talks about you got to have that next up mentality, especially with the injuries that happen and in college basketball because you know it's a 12-month sport i don't think people realize how much effort these guys put in 12 months a year and so at some point you know the goal is to try to have them peak during the season and then peak even more during during march and it's hard to do that and so we always have to have that next up mentality and jason nelson took advantage of every single minute he got and you know played big minutes for us uh, the other night against st louis the defense, you know, you talked about that. I've talked about that. It's just been night and day from the first two A-10 games to the last three. You know, what are a few things that you point to that's been the def- uh, the difference defensively? Is it just, you know, you know, wanting to get more stops, hustling more? What have you noticed? Well, we're going to start with the bigs because, you know, I love to talk about bigs, Awad. And <laughs> I think, first of all, they've kind of found out what their secret sauce is, a nice balance between protecting the rim. And, boy, did we see some rim protection between the forwards and centers um, and the bigs the other night and being able to get the offense or the defensive rebound. And I think early on in the season and early on in the A-10, we were going to try to protect the rim and – we might have been successful at that, but then along came an offensive rebound. You know, you've given up double-digit offensive rebounds in those games. And when you do that, you just can't give teams as talented as what they have in the A-10 multiple shots at the basket and expect to win. And I think that's, that's you know, number one. Number two is we're getting caught in rotations a little less, a little less right? I mean, you take a look at what Max Shulga did against Jemerson the other night. Jemerson, the leading scorer for St. Louis, averaging 17 points a game, came in, and Max Shulga put on a defensive, you know, clinic on how to guard a guy like that. And Jemerson has lit the VCU up in at the stew in the past. And the way that Shulga took that pride on and stopped it, it just creates – makes it so we don't have to get into rotation situations as often. And the, that's another thing about college basketball. The more rotations you get in, the the more you're going to eventually, with all the talent in Division One basketball, you're going to get stuck with an inside layup or, um, you know, a wide open three. And when guys get their feet set in Division One, they don't miss. Rodney Ashby with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can hear Rodney alongside Robbie Robinson calling VCU games right here on 910 The Fan via Rams Unlimited. What is your preview for tomorrow night with the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago coming to the stew? Well, they're coming in white hot, right? They've only they're 5-1 in the conference. They're only losses to uh, University of Richmond, who's leading the league right now, undefeated in the league, along with Dayton. So this is one of the top three teams in the league, and so they're balanced. They had a rough year, transition year, into the A-10 last year. They took some bumps and bruises, but – you know, they've made the transition. Um, they are very well coached. Their, their execution is flawless. And we're going to have to be patient on the defensive side, not try to go for a lot of steals, just stay in between our man and the basket, be fundamentally solid. Like I said, get caught in less rotations 
um, late in the shot clock so that we're not having to um, have big go out and give up layups. So that's ultimately what I think we need to do defensively. Offensively, we're going to have to be just as patient. They do a really good job of making us try to – or their opponents shoot shots that they want them to take, not so much the shots that we want to take. We've been really good in the last four or five games, even in the beginning of the A-10, of taking the shots we want to take, not taking bad shots early in the shot clock and then having to go back and play an extended amount of defense, almost time of possession type basketball. If we take um, you know shots that we could have gotten – we're taking shots that we would have taken in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock, late in the shot clock, the last 10 seconds, and that's making it so we don't have to play as long defensive possessions. And I think we've got to make sure that we're taking the shots that we want to take next year or, you know, tomorrow night, not so much the ones they want us to take. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, the defense has been impressive, but I don't want to overlook the fact that uh, the Rams have been better offensively, not coughing the ball up. Just nine turnovers against St. Louis, and part of the reason the offense has been more efficient has been the return of Sean Barstow, you know, letting him be your power forward point guard uh, handling the ball for the Rams. Uh, I saw Ryan Odom mention Zeb Jackson day-to-day and that he was able to practice Sunday. Uh, we do not know if he's going to play on Tuesday. His availability uh, will depend on him, how his back responds. What, do you, can you tell us any more about this back injury or the history of this injury? Well, uh, for you know, he had, it's, it's back spasms, and so he fought through that a lot last year as well, but he's getting significantly more minutes this year, and I think that yeah. – what happened is he went to um, attempt to challenge a shot against your, I think it was, was it LaSalle? I think it was LaSalle. Yeah, LaSalle. Challenge a shot. And when he did, he was trying to avoid the, um, you know, collision between the the offensive player. He was challenging a three-point shot. And he came down a little crooked, and it just kind of activated that back spasm. He was able to take two or three steps and then kind of did a dive to the floor. And so – it's back spasms, and anybody that's ever had a man, they are painful, and it takes a while for them to totally go away. Now, um, I was just at the stew just before getting home with you, and, and he was in the training room working. They have been tirelessly trying to get him ready, but I, you know, I've got to go with what Ryan's saying at this point. It, it's day to day because you can take two steps forward and then one step back with a with a back spasm type issue. Yeah, no, it's going to be important uh, that the Rams, when they do get him back, he's back to full strength. Rodney, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. I'll see you tomorrow night on the pregame show. Yep, that'll be at 6.15 right here on 910. The fan via Rams Unlimited before I hand it off to Robbie and Rodney for the call via Rams Unlimited right here on 910. The fan, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are always open. You can be the quarterback of this segment, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. You can always tweet us at 910 Fan or at AWOD Radio. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air. A tweet comes into us that says, AWOD Step Brothers is a good movie, but Anchorman is one of the most overrated movies of all time. Our buddy Trevor tweets us, sorry, AWOD, I'm team producer. They need love and support, too. He'll be campaigning for Stubb to keep his seat as producer. Stubb, the the audience has spoken. They want you to keep your job here. 
I nobody, appreciate nobody it, Nobody clamoring I, for I really Sneaky do. Cheek to make a return. <laughs> nobody really stepping up uh, to the plate here to take over for you. I will say I, I do appreciate all the hard work you do. Um, you're just a quirky guy, you know, and that's I, I try. That's <laughs> it's the age difference. That's what it is. It's the age difference. Yeah. I, you look, know, look, and I will say I, I could have not brought it up, Step Brothers. I brought up hating it to make you mad. I do yeah, hate it, did. but I did bring it up to make you mad. Yeah. Next thing you're gonna say is, oh, hey, what? I watched this really great documentary on Ron Rivera. You should check it out. <laughs> that's that's next. I, I know it's coming next. Uh, <laughs> so of course you can always tweet us throughout the show at AWOD Radio or at 910thefan, and there were a ton of really good playoff games over the weekend. So we teased it. We're going to go through the four teams left and discuss who we think are the top quarterbacks in the Final Four, the NFC and the AFC Conference Championships. All right, Stubbs. So I'll let you go first here, all right, because you you pissed me off before with a a movie (laughs) topic. Let's see how you get under my skin talking NFL. You want me to pick my favorite quarterback of the four or the best one? Yes. No, no, no. Go from four to three to two to one. Four, three, two, one. Okay. Yes. I I think that four and three and close, and then there's a huge jump, and then two and one are close. I think you're going to agree with me there. Yeah. So for four... I think I'm going to have to go with Brock Purdy, at least based on last week and just kind of what we've been seeing. He just has the best weapons, and it makes him look good, but hes I, I think he's got to be four. And then uh, three. three. I'm going to go with Goff. Like I said, these two are pretty close, but he's been playing well. I, I really think that Goff is going to enter the Super Bowl, and uh, hes he's been surprising a lot of people. Number two, and then there's a big jump between three and two. I'm going to have to go <laughs> with Mahomes. And I'll explain more when I get to number one. But I I think, obviously, Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback. He's never not seen the AFC Conference Championship, and he's got one of the best arms. But number one, as like a team leader, as a decision maker, as a guy that can throw and run better than most other quarterbacks, I just have to go with Lamar. He is a beauty to watch out on the field, and I think he's really carrying the Ravens team. There is something to Lamar making the Super Bowl that would be huge for the NFL. We just have not seen a quarterback like him with his abilities outside of Michael Vick. But Michael Vick never made it to the Super Bowl. And so this is, you know, this is more than football. This is more than sports. This is people around the globe getting to watch and see just how amazing it is the thing that the things that Lamar Jackson can do with his ability to run, make people miss out of the backfield, you know, make people miss down the field. He just has this amazing stop-on-a-dime juke ability, and people just seem to like run past him, and all they can do is kind of grab him as they uh, run by, and he keeps it moving downfield. So I think it would be huge for the NFL to have a quarterback like that with that kind of talent on the big stage. I just don't know if that's going to happen because I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes as my number one. Uh, he just has never not seen an AFC title game. Oh, yeah, 4,000 yards again, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Uh, has a great game when his team needs him against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it just felt like he was in control of that game. He's been in control every playoff game he's ever played in. I don't know how you can't pick him as number one. Lamar, number two, though, I think there you're right that there is a big gap because then I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Jared Goff three, Brock Purdy four. Uh, Brock Purdy's been good for two straight seasons now. Jared Goff's been you know good for about seven, and he's already made a Super Bowl appearance when he played for the L.A. Rams, and he's kind of right, uh, revitalized this fan base in Detroit 
with that offense and Ben Johnson and Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, and throwing it to Jameer Gibbs or handing it to Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Goff, 30 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. He's got 4,575 yards. I think he's your third best quarterback. And then fourth, I would point to Brock Purdy. Uh, where are we at with our Odyssey NFL confidence pool, Stubb? Are you still near the top? I can pull that up because, yes, I am in third, but there's a two-way tie for first, and I'm only one point behind Michael and Josh. All right, so, so this is MP on the mic and JC on the board are first and second. Yeah, and that will tied for first as they both have 26 points, and then I have 25. So really, okay. based on all the scores here, only the three of us could potentially take the win here as there's only four points left to score. Brian, in fourth with 21. Melissa and Gary Hess are tied for fifth with 19. Rob Hoffman is in seventh with 18. You're in at eighth place with 15 points. Sorry, Rob has 18. And then tied for last is Rick and Jeff Wicker with 14 points. Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. So either Rick or Jeff Wicker most likely to be an intern for the day on AWOD Radio. I'd love that. For it to be Wicker. I know he would come to the table with a ton of stories, right? Just like oh, when yeah. we were doing the NFL picks, he came in with three pages of notes, was ready to give out his picks on air. That guy has been in radio. He's a radio lifer, and he prepares, right? Oh, yeah. People don't realize how much preparation you know comes into radio. It's not just you crack a mic and, and say a couple hot takes. Jeff Wicker prepares. I'd love for him to be an intern for the day on AWOD Radio. I'd feel bad making him do any work, though, as his leg has been uh, or his knee has been injured for quite some time. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't even know what happened. I with, don't know either. Me. I, he just kind of showed up and was limping around, right? Yeah, so I, we, we can't have him be scrubbing the floors or anything as an intern, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to yeah. watch it. You're only one point ahead of the the last two. Yeah, I know. And I took a big swing and a miss, uh, picking the Bucks to beat the Lions uh, over the weekend. Uh, let's go through each of the game and, and come up with the play of the game um, for each of these games. You know, Is there anything that comes to mind for you with the Texans-Ravens game? Ooh. That was the early Saturday game. I'd probably have to point to one of Lamar's carries, That's right? I mean, exact, yeah. he had 11 carries for 100 yards. He had that 123. I'm going to point to that actually, that 23-yard run. You know, Houston's defense, D'Amico Ryans, had a spy on him and had done a decent job in the first quarter, and then he broke through, and that was on the Ravens' touchdown drive in the second quarter, a 23-yard run for Lamar Jackson. I was going to agree with you. It's got to be a Lamar run. He just does it so well, and it's so hard. Yeah. You put a spy on him, and that isn't even enough. you got to put two spies on this guy. Yep, Packers, Niners. I just think you have to point to the biggest play of the game being that missed field goal. I, yeah. I just... I really think the Packers win this game if they convert that. Yeah, I, I, I could just say the entire final drive uh, from the uh, Niners to really seal that game for them. Just It, yeah. it looked like everything was locking into place in that final drive to, to get them the win. So I, a yeah, couple of points it's, there. They, it's not like they really were like forcing it on that final drive. It's just it was it was good play calling from, uh, from Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. So the Niners got the ball back. You know, we talked about that earlier with – Five minutes, or excuse me, six minutes, 18 seconds on the clock. It was Purdy to Jawan Jennings. Man, did he have a game. 
I wish I placed his player prop, right? <laughs> as soon as um, Debo went out, it was like Jennings is the star. Then it was McCaffrey setting up a third and one where Brock Purdy would run it himself and convert. Then he threw it to McCaffrey. Then he looked for Kittle incomplete. Brandon Ayuk for 10 yards. That was the biggest play of that final drive. Ayuk dove on the ground. It looked like he didn't catch it at first. Um, then after that, it was to Conley. And everyone's like, who the hell is Conley? Yeah, they went to the deep part of their bench with no Debo Samuel. Then it was George Kittle for eight yards, Christian McCaffrey for three, and the Brock Purdy scramble would get them into the red zone. And then McCaffrey passed the right guard six yards into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Let's go over to... The early game on Sunday. What you got for us, Stubb? What was the best play of that game? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I I might even just say the first interception. I think that it really set the tone for the Lions, and they were kind of able to keep it up the whole time. What was remind me of that first interception? Was it a tip pass or did Baker just botch it? It, it was it was a bit too high from Baker that someone was able to tip it into someone else's hands. And, and more so than it being a good play, I think it just set the tone for the rest of the game, and I don't think the Buccaneers really were able to get out of that rut until the very end when they threw another interception. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs had an explosive play. He had nine carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown, but one long 31-yard run yeah. uh, that I think really made a big difference in that game. And then the late one, of course, Chiefs and Bills. And uh, it's same thing, Stubb. I feel like you have to point to that the missed field goal there. Uh, we should have been looking at overtime. We really should have. Yeah, I got to give it to, to one of Kelsey's receptions. He had some really good, really strong drives into the into the end zone. Yeah, with with some people. Oh after yeah, that him, screen so. pass where yeah. he caught, and then it looked like his elbow was down, but he found a way uh, to get into the end zone. That was huge. Just an excellent um, effort. Yeah, I mean, how about Pacheco? Right, yeah. fifteen carries, ninety-seven yards. He had that one twenty-nine yard run. Um, you know, so there were a, a bunch of explosive plays in that game, except for most of them went Kansas City's way. Not many explosive plays there from Buffalo. It's just it's disappointing if you're a Bills fan. The fact that you're at home, you had them, you get 182 yards on the ground, right? That's been their issue for every season they lose to the Chiefs is just Josh Allen. Well, they got 61 yards from James Cook, uh, but it wasn't enough there because they could not convert their field goal. Chiefs advance as Bill's game-tying field goal goes wide right. You know what Bill's stands for, Stubb? Oh, I've heard it before. Uh, Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. Yesterday, (laughs) it was just Bill. Boy, I love losing. losing. Yeah, I'm Adam Epstein. Yeah, I guess the pit's not going to take any more victims, so I guess that's a win for for people's arms and legs. (laughs) I think that's uh, I think that's good for civilization. Yeah, (laughs) that was uh, that was pretty crazy. They were doing that. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the New Sports Radio 910 Fan. Now at 105.1. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. And Burger Night is back and better than before. Burger Night returns to Capitol Ale House. That's every Monday from 3 p.m. till close. You can get a quarter-pound smashed and seared burger or cheeseburger for just $2.95, $2.95 or Upgrade to bacon and blue cheese, bacon and Gruyere for three ninety-five. Back by popular demand, Richmond's original burger night. 
back here at Capital Ale House every Monday, three locations in Richmond, Midlothian, Innsbruck, and downtown. Go online to view the menu, capitalalehouse.com. Burger Night is back, and uh, back where it started. And, uh, Stubb, uh, you might not be familiar with Burger Night because you went to Virginia Tech, but when I was in school at VCU, Burger Night was the, the coolest thing ever. We'd go to the downtown location, you know, for every burger night. As soon as we turned 21, it was like, oh, what are we having for dinner? Is it Burger Night? Yeah, we're going to Cap Ale. <laughs> I mean, there's no better deal than that. Obviously, they've got all these great beers on draft, too, that you can mix with a burger. Uh, appetizers. We always talk about Capital Ale House owning the late night with the late night menu. Half-off appetizers from 9 p.m. to close. So it's my favorite spot here in town to get a burger, and I'm proud to be here every Monday throughout the football season. Burger night is back. Three to close. Get a burger for just two ninety-five, And, of course, 910 The Fan is the home for VCU basketball, and the Rams will host Loyola Chicago tomorrow night. But what happened at the Seagull Center on Friday night was Fantastic. Senior guard Joe Bamisil scored a season-high 29 points in just 22 minutes of game action while the Rams held St. Louis to a season-low offensive output in the Rams' third straight win. That's three straight wins, two on the road, now back at home, their first 8-10 win at home at the Seagull Center as Joe Bam buried 7 of 10 from three-point range. Senior guard Max Sholga had 15 points, three assists, four rebounds, but I thought his what he did better than score was the defense that he played on Gibson Jimerson. Jimerson is one of the top three-point shooters in the A-10. In fact, he leads St. Louis in points per game and is one of the top scorers in the A-10. Here was Jimerson's line. He's a Richmond native coming back to the Seagull Center where he's burned us in the past. But, man, Max Shulga took it upon himself to stop him. Jimerson played 35 minutes and 30 seconds, more than any other player on St. Louis. He was one of three from the field, three shot attempts, 0 for 1 from the three-point line, two rebounds, one turnover. That's it. That's it. Total points for Gibson Jimerson, two points. He had one layup on a fast break. That was it. Incredible defense there from Max Sholga. Took it upon himself to stop Gibson Jimerson. Uh, Sophomore transfer Jason Nelson got the start in place for Zeb Jackson. Had 13 points, two assists. Um, Did leave the game with a thumb injury, the same thumb that he hurt in Orlando. But he was able to return in the second half. I thought that was really important for the Rams. He was kind of calm and collected uh, in charge of the Rams' offense. And VCU just allowed three field goals during a 15-5 run in the first half, had three steals, and then went up, went into the break up by 10. You know, St. Louis had a bit of a burst out of, out of the break there, and then VCU just shut them down and went on to get the win, uh, a really good win for VCU, 85-61. to The offense has exploded as of late. The defense has started to become more consistent, and um, I just thought that was the best performance from start to finish, offensively and defensively, that VCU's had all season long. Uh, they got a lot of different people to contribute. You know, Kwani Kwani continued his decent shooting from the outside. He had five points, four rebounds, two assists. Christian Furman down low, two block shots. That was huge for them uh, from the big men, the starting center. Also four rebounds, four points. Jason Nelson just 
Double digits, want that from your, your uh, point guard there. Two assists, also one steal. Barstow, right, coming off of that big game, 14 points, 12 assists. Well, he had 10 points, four rebounds, six assists. The offense has just been so smooth with, um, as Ed Nixon called him, white magic. I've been calling him VCU's Magic Johnson, the power forward that can lead the ball up the court for the Rams. He can go to the basket and uh, score at will, or he can back his opponent down, find an open teammate. Max Scholga, 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, a really good uh, game for Scholga, better on the defensive end. Toby Lawal blocked everything that came his way. Three blocks, two points, five rebounds on the night. But the leading scorer, Joe Bamisil, just the most one of the most incredible box scores you'll see. Ten of thirteen from the field, seven of ten from three point line, seventy percent from three, two of three from the free throw line, five rebounds, uh, a steal, and twenty nine points. His plus minus was twenty seven points when he was on the court there. The Rams outscored St. Louis by 27. Michael Bell played 18 minutes. That's been typical as the VCU defense has gotten better. It's been more minutes for Michael Bell in the last three games. So 18 minutes, I think that's right where where you want him. Um, Didn't score much, four points. But, man, you know, on defense, Michael Bell was guarding Terrence Hargrove Jr., and then he was also switching up and guarding Mike Meadows, the point guard. You know, think about that for a second. This guy's a freshman that can rebound at this level, can guard at this level, and he can pretty much guard one through five. Man, when his offensive game starts getting to this level, he's going to be an all-conference player. (coughs) Fats Billups off the bench, five minutes, one of three from behind the three-point line. Knocked that one down. Uh, also had two rebounds. It's important for him to stay consistent off the bench as a scorer. And then Connor Odom getting a minute and 30 seconds off the bench. I thought that was really cool. Trying to take a, as many photos as I could of Connor standing next to his dad, Ryan Odom. I mean, you know, Ramley is family. And uh, that's kind of been the theme of VCU basketball. Ed Nixon talked about it. B.A. Walker with us last week. These older guys, these VCU graduates, love to come back and get in the BDC and hoop with some of these young guys. And it's how we've developed such a great culture in terms of basketball development. Guys come in here as freshmen, and they graduate as completely different people, completely different men. And we've seen just so far this season a few guys really starting to get into form here. I, I, I point to Kwani Kwani as a guy that earlier this year couldn't make a shot, didn't seem like he had the confidence to go to the basket, and was an issue on the defensive end. Now he's kind of um, determined to be a stopper on the defensive end, to help out with rebounds, and to be aggressive on the offensive end. Christian Furman and Toby Lawal have both both improved. Lawal at points this season was jumping at everything to block every shot. Now he's jumping at the right moments, the right opportunity to be a rim protector. And VCU is doing a, a lot of these smaller lineups where it seems like it's almost like four guards with Furman, four guards with Toby. And how do you stop people? Well, number one, you got to stop dribble penetration. Number two, when they get to the paint, you have to have a big-time rim protector, and that has been Toby Lawal for the Rams. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. We will discuss VCU against Loyola Chicago throughout the show tomorrow as it is a VCU game day. But uh, I just know this is going to be – a tough test for the Rams. Loyola Chicago 5-1 and one in conference play. 
Uh, they've got two guys that are some of the most underrated guards in the A-10 in Philip Alston, who had the game winner the other night for Loyola Chicago, and the Davidson transfer, Des Watson. Those two guys, when you let them out in transition, are very tough to defend. And also Loyola Chicago, uh, strong on the defensive end. So if the Rams are going to win this game, I think they're going to need to start hot. They're going to have to have another really good defensive performance. And they're going to have to hit some three-point shots, right? I mean, that's always important when you get into conference play. The Rams were... 47.8% against St. Louis. That's really good. I think the key against Chicago would be to stay above 40% uh, from three. It's not like you're going to have Joe Bamis leading you with 7 of 10 from the three-point line once again. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that was, you know, open the door, and now the floodgates are are open here, and Joe Bam will start uh, going ham every game game for the Rams. He just – I love the way – the confidence that he had in himself and his shot and the conversation he talked about with Ryan Odom after the game where Joe Bamisil and Ryan sat down and you could tell that Joe was probably down on himself for one of ten in the last two games, but the conversation turned into a positive one where Odom said, look, you're supposed to be a scorer off the bench. That is your role on this team. Don't care if it's going in or out. Just make sure you're shooting when you're open. When you're open, release it. You've got the green light, and they will start falling, and that's what they did as he knocked them down. Also, my favorite part of the press conference, Stub, uh, I got a standing ovation. No, I'm just kidding. But I I threw it out there (laughs) to Sean Barristow and Max Shulga. Sean wears number 11. Shulga wears – no, excuse me. Sean wears number 7. Shulga wears number 11. The two guys are the two white transfers from Utah State. My dad said he watches them on TV. He can't tell the difference. They both have similar haircuts. So I said if nobody can tell them the difference, why don't we combine them with our nickname instead of one guy being one guy the other being the other? How about 7-11, open 24-7 for buckets? And they both love the nickname. Uh, They're big supporters of it. I was wondering, you know, being international guys, had they even ever been to a 7-11? Have they ever had a late-night taquito? Uh, but they do like the nickname. So members of Ram Nation, uh, be sure to call them 7-11 when you see Barstow and Shulga combining for buckets. I appreciate everybody listening to the show today. Final segment coming up next on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. And tonight is Burger Night. The Burger Night that started it all is back. Burger Night returns to Capitol Ale House. That's every Monday from 3 to close. You can get a cheeseburger for just $2.95 or upgrade to bacon and blue cheese or bacon and beer cheese for just $3.95. Back by popular demand, Richmond's original Burger Night back at Capitol Ale House, and of course, I'm broadcasting live here from Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. in Richmond, Virginia on Mondays from Capital Ale House in the Innsbruck location. Uh, Shout out to a listener who came on by to check out the first hour of the show. It's always fun when listeners come on out here and check out the show, give me their take on, you know, the commanders. He was all in on Kirk Cousins 2.0. I remember when I asked Grant about that, he gave me a big thumbs up. So uh, that was fun. I, I, I really wouldn't be against Kirk coming back here. I just, I know that Ben Johnson's going to want to team up with a young quarterback that he can kind of groom 
himself. And USA Today's Nate Davis put together a list here of 32. Yes, there's 32 teams in the NFL. 32 things we learned from the NFL divisional round of the playoff. Stub, can I get a little theme music here as we go through the top 32? Number one, the NFL's version of the Final Four is set. Ravens, Niners, Lions, and Kansas City. Who's going to reach Vegas? Super Bowl 58. We don't know which of the four teams will be in Vegas, but we do know a couple radio hosts will be in Vegas. Michael Phillips, MP on the mic, and AWOD, Adam Epstein from AWOD Radio, will broadcast live from Radio Row Monday through Friday in just two weeks from Vegas. I'm so fired up for this. I think it's going to be an awesome trip. I'm really looking forward to speaking with a couple Hall of Famers, former quarterbacks, coaches, and uh, random people that are going to be on the strip in Vegas. Number two, Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes improved his playoff record to 13-3 and and finally made his road playoff debut and got a road win. How about that record in the playoffs? Uh, number three, with megastar Taylor Swift in attendance, Mahomes hit her boyfriend Travis Kelsey for a pair of touchdowns, and now Mahomes and Kelsey have passed Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski for 16 playoff touchdowns, the most ever between a pair of quarterbacks and receiver. It is incredible. Number four, since becoming QB1 in 2018, Mahomes has led the Chiefs to the AFC Championship game every single year. I mean, tell me when it's not going to happen, Stub. It's happened six straight yeah, years it, it now. It seemed like this was going to be the year with the way they've been yeah. playing. They had a worse record, but <laughs> I, they, they took down the Bills, and that's what they needed to do. Yep, number five, the Bills have had heartbreak before and heartbreak with missed field goals. Once again, wide right. The kick is no good, and it doesn't matter that – Josh Allen was responsible for a league-best 51 touchdowns this season between regular season and playoffs. The Bills are going home. And that leads to number six. Poor, poor Tyler Bass, the Buffalo kicker, yeah. has deleted his <laughs> social media. I, I'm seeing reports that he was, you know, yeah, people are not. I, I don't even want to get into it. It sucks. I feel bad. You know, he's part of the reason they lost. He's not the whole reason they lost. But, I mean, look, the offense could have scored on third down. Yeah. And then you wouldn't have even had yeah. the kicker. Number right. seven, San Francisco will participate in its fourth championship game in the past five seasons. you got to be fired up if you're a Commanders fan. That the, One of the guys behind all of that is Adam Peters, the assistant GM. Well, he'll be the GM for the Commanders next season. Number eight, Green Bay has now lost five straight overall to San Francisco in the playoffs. First-year quarterback Jordan Love was incredible, but it wasn't enough as Green Bay can't get rid of the monster that lives under the bed in the 49ers. Number nine, Saturday's win was San Francisco's 37th in the postseason since joining the NFL in 1950. Uh, most playoff wins in NFL history. Steelers have 36, Cowboys have 36, Pack have 37, Patriots have 37. Now the Niners have 37. Next week will mark just the second appearance in a conference championship game for the Detroit Lions. Remember, we talked about this. Last time they won two playoff games was 1957. <laughs> I mean, how crazy oh, is that? Uh, Houston is now 0-5 in the divisional round with their loss to the Ravens. They just can't get it done there. Um, number 13, uh, the Niners and Detroit will be among the NFL teams to 
Never qual- I'm I'm confused by that one. We're moving on. All right. Uh, second year <laughs> Lions defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, a Mitch Rich, uh, Michigan native who played at University of Michigan, soaked in an unfamiliar scene that he never experienced as a Detroit fan growing up. That is kind of funny, right? Guys, Michigan yeah. <laughs> born and bred, been a Lions fan his entire life. He's never seen them win this game until he played for them himself. Not Number fifteen good. Ravens. In an AFC title game, their fifth game at M&T Bank Stadium, yet they will host for the first time an AFC title game. 16, the only AFC crown was decided in Baltimore, occurred 53 years ago. Wow. That was when they beat the Colts, but it was not the Baltimore, or excuse me, when they beat the Ravens. It was not the Baltimore Ravens back then. What were they called? I kind of just spoiled it for you. I, I I missed it. Sorry. I, I have no oh idea. my goodness! You don't know about the Baltimore Colts. Oh really? Oh, yeah. that's 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 curious. That's 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 yeah. curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a curious case oh, of hmm. Benjamin Stubbin. Um, number eighteen, uh, Lamar Jackson and his legs. Three Ravens had at least ten carries. Jackson led the way with a hundred of his team's 229 rushing yards, just continues to do things that quarterbacks don't usually do, while the Texans ran for all of 38 yards. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. Yeah. Um, just go, I'm trying to go through a couple of these here, find some of the best ones. Baker Mayfield passed for 349 yards and three touchdowns. Most of that production went to Mike Evans. The reason they lost they stopped going to Mike Evans. And now they're going to face some interesting decisions this offseason. Free agency will include Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and all-pro safety, safety Antoine Rin- Winfield. In two games at Baltimore this season, the Texans didn't score an offensive touchdown. And according to Matt Valdez of the Sports Junkies, they didn't even get the red zone. They didn't even get to the red zone. Houston committed 11 penalties. Many of those were pre-snap variety. Why is that? Because the Baltimore fan base was loud and energetic. Uh, Both these teams in Baltimore and San Francisco had to play without stars. Tight end Mark Andrews will hopefully be activated after an ankle injury. Maybe he's back this weekend. Debo Samuel, what do they say? Day-to-day, he's 50-50 to play in the next week. Yeah, yep. And then um, I guess we have to mention Travis Kelsey's suite was lit with Taylor Swift. With oh, uh, Jason with up there, that was fun Jason, to watch. Shirtless, Jason Kelsey was fun to watch. Out the he window. was. <laughs> and there's a there's a video where he jumped out the window and then he started like grabbing kids. Right, <laughs> you should never do that when you're drunk. But he no. was like lifting these kids up and helping them get introduced to Taylor Swift. It was like one at a time. He'd lift up a little girl oh, and say, "Hey, so- Taylor, come say hi." And then you know, <laughs> "All right, mom, take your kid back. You're up next." And uh, look, I love, I-, I love Bills Mafia like that. I think that is so cool that it was in Buffalo. It reminded me of Ryan Fitzpatrick taking his shirt off in support of the Bills. Problem was, is it was in Buffalo, but he wasn't supporting the Bills. No, he was he supporting was his brother <laughs> and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. There, um, I thought that was some awesome moments, though. He's fired up. I hope he doesn't retire. I hope neither of the Kelseys retire anytime soon. I do think they're good for the NFL. Yeah, so, Travis has – it seemed like he wasn't up to it this season, but, but man, last night. Big game, Travis. Top, top of his game. I know. And uh, 
Cost myself some money. I, I told everyone that I was with that I thought Travis Kelsey was going to have a monster game and a couple touchdowns, and he's the guy you should place the player prop on. Um, then I didn't even listen to myself. <laughs> I didn't even listen to myself. I, think I, I went Rasheed Rice because ah. he was the hot name last time. I, my fan duel um, account is back down to zero. I did not hit any Dang. bets this weekend. But I do have the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. That I mean, would, that would shoot you. my account back up to 250. So they make it. Are you going to hedge that one? I think I have to. Yeah, I, I think, think I have to. Because, I think that's fair. because here's the thing. All right, and this is just really nerdy for sports gamblers, but Drab T-Shirt had multiple thousand dollars on Washington. All right, when they got to the finals, he did not want to hedge it. He said, I'm all in on the bet, and he was going to double down if they won. That was the wrong move. Instead, he lost the bet and lost his $50. All right, so I think what I have to do here is – if Baltimore gets to the Super Bowl, I have to put at least thirty to forty dollars on San Francisco oh, I, I or the Lions, fully so agree. that I used to get like a full year's sweat yeah. turning out into like a positive amount of money. Now I can cash out currently today for sixty bucks. That's pretty good right there. But of course, if Baltimore wins the whole thing, I get two hundred. Yeah, you got it. Um, so I think it. I think I'm not going to cash out, but I might need to hedge. Up to about sixty, what it, what the cash out bet is, right? Yeah, I because would, if I, I would say like if 50. I hedge sixty, I win two hundred. I still end up with one forty. Yeah, you know? that seems that seems worth it to me. Yeah, it's decent. Nobody cares though. They just <laughs> want me to give out big fat winners here on the fan. Well, I'll do that tomorrow when I'm back at twelve noon. It's Grand Danny coming up next from Washington D.C.